I'm back, baby. Oh, my double crap. Do you know who I am? No, but maybe if you hum a few bars. Yes, sir, random kid I just met. You know, this man's forgotten more about pain than you'll ever remember. About pain. About forgetting about. It's Jake C. Lee. I am the low rating that cancels your program. I thought you were made of sterner stuff. Don't be jealous because I'm attractive. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you're serious. Let me laugh even harder. It's time to check the link. I like that. I didn't do anything wrong because I can't do anything wrong. Hooray! People are paying attention to me. It's all in sports. Game on, everybody. It's all in sports. Jake Seeley, as always. And as always, head over to theathletic.com front slash all in sports, and you'll get 30% off your first year for signing up, which is where you can find all my advice when it comes to the draft coverage. Tons of it I just did over the weekend, including fancy football, early rankings, fancy baseball advice, anything you might have, even my mailbag where you can come ask questions and hopefully get yours answered, including the podcast that we have over there, our new podcasting network, including Unsealed with my Myself, Chris Meany, and Brad Ziegler, the former pitcher. Great insight over there. There's tons of podcasts. Nando has a game show podcast. Jonah Carey has his baseball podcast. All sorts, like, just go over there, sign up. Otherwise, they'll probably at some point be like, hey, you don't really need to do all the sports anymore because we can just, no, we want to keep this free. We want to keep this here for you guys. So go sign up, at least if you've already signed up. Also, click the link and check the link because that definitely helps. And speaking of smart things, and if you are smart enough and intelligent enough, you should be following today's guest. He is Matt Harmon. He is basically the guru of charting wide receivers. I don't care. If, you know, I'm sorry, Matt, if you don't like that, but you're, you're the you are the one that's known when you see the graphic, you see the chart, you see the success rate. And this is why you should be following him. The reason he has the user handle that he does it was Matt, it's still BYB at the end. It's Matt Harmon BYB, and so you know. Well, you know what? Before I get to that, and there's an underscore before you get to it. It's Matt Harmon underscore BYB. Again, since maybe many of some of these people don't remember where you came from, I'll let you do that, Matt, and let, tell everybody what you got going on at Yahoo and what they should be looking out for and all that type of stuff. Yeah, it's always great to have people remind you about the underscore BYB because it really is like I got a, you know, my ex-girlfriend's like name tattooed on me and I can't <laughs> like get rid of it. Because, you know, if you change your Twitter handle, you lose the verification. And obviously, as the as the haters and losers online love to remind me like that blue check is everything, you know, that's always my funny. I, I don't know about you, Jake, but always the thing that makes me laugh the most whenever people, you know, come at you on Twitter uh, is that they'll always say like, oh, you, this is such a bad take. I can't believe you have a blue check. I'm like, let me tell you something, buddy. <laughs> you know what did not happen to get this blue check was like I didn't have to take a, a good takes quiz or like or, or there was no – I didn't take the wonder look to get this blue check. Just the company I worked for previously, NFL Network, went ahead and submitted – a form and, and and it happened. So I mean, I, I don't know where people. But anyways, I'm way off the the tangent there. <laughs> well, and, and, and hold on, your tangent there's at the point you're at now. I'm pretty sure within a week you'd have your blue check back anyway. I mean, I don't know about that, man, because I've been trying now over the course of two major corporations, several different managers to get verified on Instagram, and it has still not happened. So I don't know. I don't really have as much faith you, in the whole. You want something that's really going to burn you? Like maybe like same label. So the footballers, you know, the footballers. Uh, um, they, familiar. Yeah. So Andy has been on there a long time. Mike was on there a very short time. And Jason, even shorter. Jason had at the time about four Instagram posts and all three of them got verified on Instagram. So that's probably going to just make you mad. 
Um, I'm literally furious right now. So you've, <laughs> you've already chapped me. Uh, we haven't even gotten this interview started yet. So I'm, I'm already angry. And, and now I'm just looking forward to getting off here and, and complaining to literally anyone that will listen. Uh, or maybe I could just ask those guys how they did it. Because clearly whoever these bozos I'm working for here, <laughs> they don't know they don't know what they're doing. So yeah, um, I don't think I answered any of your questions there. But uh, that's how we started. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how this podcast usually goes. I mean, <laughs> you kind of fit in. But like, hey, I'll tell everybody, make sure you're checking Matt's work over at Yahoo. Hey, well, check out the Instagram. I actually retweeted the one yesterday because you sat down with Marquise Brown very quickly, but you get to talk to the players. You chart all these routes, and you talk about their success rate, which is what got you started. I mean, that, that's the biggest question you should have answered. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I think the thing that, that has followed me throughout the course of my career now from, you know, from being a freelance writer at like football guys in the Washington Post all the way to the NFL Network to uh, here at Yahoo Sports is reception perception. And obviously, I, I still <clears throat> feature that work with the fantasy football, the aforementioned fantasy footballers in the ultimate draft kit. If anybody's interested in kind of getting to know more about reception perception and what I do with wide receivers, I would just say just go on Twitter, use the hashtag reception perception or go to receptionperception.com and, and you can see more of that stuff there where this is really the time when I'm getting to go back and, and really diving to, into these pro receivers you know, from last season and really kind of seeing what are the expectations we can set for them here in, in 2019. There's a couple guys I've just looked at recently that you know I learned a lot from I, I can I can break the news I brought I tweeted about it but I mean I could say on this podcast you know we have a new record in reception perception Michael Thomas from 2018 uh, cleared Odell Beckham as the highest uh, success rate versus man coverage in in the five years I've charted this data out so this is the fun part about the about this time of year is I get to really view these guys in, in a full field way you know, get, especially now that I've been doing it for five years, there's a lot more context to the data. So uh, a lot of fun. And, and of course, we have a, a cool group of uh, rookie receivers to talk this year. Yes, which we're going to talk about today. And I'm so glad that Michael Thomas is number one. I initially, this is my, I can't do it anymore. I'm not like cool enough and famous anymore, you know, because Michael Thomas is Michael Thomas at this point. But I got to talk to him when he first got drafted. I had him on the yeah. podcast. But yeah, that was before everything blew up. So <laughs> this is why you got to get in. Like, uh, let me check. Have you reached double digits yet in wide receivers that follow you? Because I know I see a handful of them every time I turn around. <laughs> there's there's a few, but uh, the, the, the most... Funny interaction. I don't think I've actually ever told this story on a podcast before, but the funniest interaction I've ever had with a player, and and it made me think of it because he just tweeted me a, a, this past weekend when uh, when I when I posted that interview of of Marquise Brown or, or some of my takeaways from it. Taylor Gabriel, the Bears wide receiver, you know, uh, he follows me, and and the and the reason he ended up following me is actually really funny. One of the last articles I ever wrote for NFL.com. Uh, was just about like the top 10 receivers to pursue in the 2018 offseason, you know, both free agents and draft prospects combined. And so one, one, night, one night, very late at night, by the way, like, <laughs> you know, like it was 11.50 Pacific and I'm up, you know, doing work or whatever. And so th this means like this guy is either like tweeting me from better or something weird like that. I get a notification, <laughs> I get a tweet from Taylor Gabriel, just like, man, feels so disrespected thinking emoji. And I'm like, what the hell is Taylor Gabriel tweeting? I was like, oh man, he's a free agent or whatever. So I put it together. Okay, he's pissed. He's not on my list. And so I tweet back at him, you know, hey man, like no disrespect. Hope you get your money. Like good, good luck this year or whatever. And then he follows me, hops in the DMs right away. <laughs> <laughs> and wow. and he's, going, he's going back and forth like what's up dude I, I mean he was cool about it too like he's like he's like listen man I didn't get enough touches like trust me I'm gonna make an impact or whatever and he asked me like do you do you play fantasy or whatever and I was like yeah yeah I, I write a little bit of fantasy in addition to the kind of stuff you were checking out and he's like 
listen, I, I realize it. I get, I let your team down this year, but I got you in, in 2018. I got you or whatever. And he, I mean, he had a little nice little year there in Chicago. So uh, <laughs> I'm glad, glad for him. But yeah, he, he was, uh, when he, he saw, I posted the Marquise Brown interview. He's like, he's, he's like, I'm so pumped to see these small little guys getting some respect. So good for Taylor. <laughs> That's awesome. That's probably one of the better stories I've heard. I like my, you know, mine. I'm like, hey, check out my favorite wide receivers from the draft, and like, yeah, we don't care about you, Jake. Shut up. Like, <laughs> like time and time and time. the only one I, I actually have following me, and that's only because I sat with him for 15 minutes at the combine was Travis Fulgham because we both went to ODU. Miles Boykin doesn't care about me. Uh, who else? Dexter Williams doesn't care. That's a running back, but so yeah, like I think a lot of guys that I, you know, I tweeted say hey this is Nikhil Harry actually like oh my god I blew up Nikhil Harry for the past year he doesn't, he doesn't like me he probably wants me to stop tweeting at him. So, <laughs> that's really awesome but let's stop it let's, let's, let's talk about these guys uh, although I'm kind of very jealous now see like look I burned your crawl with the Instagram thing now you burned mine so it's all there we go it's yeah, all this is a good passive aggressive pod back and forth yes it is actually real quick speaking of passive aggressive are you as yay you're in the LA you're in the market you're um, look you're in the business we're in of are you the don't spoil things for me or are you on the side of you're on Twitter it's your own fault if you find out oh I look I think there's a difference between movies and TV shows so well, then like, let me ask you this this is what I came up with I said TV shows are eight days movies are three weeks because eight days gives you the extra you basically one week and then that extra day like maybe you watch both of the episodes to catch up together and then movies obviously you got to get to the movie theater so I say eight days three weeks are the two ones so uh, that that's where I stand I'm sorry, but if you are so engrossed in a television show that you care so much that things are going to be spoiled for you, that is on you. If you're going to log in, if you're going to log on, especially something like Game of Thrones, which obviously I think is what we're talking about here. Look, we're talking about both of them, Game of Thrones and Avengers. Right, right. Avengers is one thing because, I mean, you know, look, some people have lives. They can't just be pop it into the movie theater right away. Look, I don't care. I, I will go see Avengers in, I said this about the, the last Avengers movie. Look, I'm going to go see this because I want to like understand the memes. You know, I want to be able to, it's like part of the culture, right? But I don't care so much about it that I, I like if something big gets, like people are being asking me like, are you, do you think you're going to cry at it? I'm like, well, number one, you're kind of, you're kind of trending towards spoiler territory. Yeah, there, you are. I, de- I definitely won't cry though, because I'm just not that much. In, I'm not invested. Are you taking LaShawn McCoy off your draft board? No, I mean, also, but I mean, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get on a rant about that. That's, I don't want to, I don't want to get into too much there, but <laughs> back to the game of Thrones thing. Like if you're so invested on in game of Thrones, like log off, don't get on Twitter. Don't get on Instagram. Like avoid that stuff. For example, I flew, I got on my plane to fly back from Nashville to uh, LA Sunday night. And I didn't land in LA until 8.30 Pacific. I didn't get back to my apartment because the air- damn airport was so clogged up. The tr- it was so bad. I didn't get back to like 11 PM, walk my dog, throw some food in my gut. So I'm not, I didn't watch the episode till, you know, almost midnight. And you know, I'm somebody that's mainlining Twitter and social media right. all day. Guess who didn't log on that whole time? Me. Okay. So if I can do it, you can do it. So it, it is on you. If you don't want things spoiled for you, especially in the moment, a show like Game of Thrones, log off. I promise you'll be okay. It won't kill you to, to log off for a few hours. Yeah. See, now may, I'll take maybe the, I'm a little bit too aggressive with the eight days, one week, that whole thing. I'm going to say, I, I disagree with you on that one. I'm 100% like for you and being on the West Coast, 
like I didn't even think about it at first. And Nando said something, despite the fact he's on the East Coast, but he said, I have a lot of West Coast friends. After thinking about it, I will purposely, I, I avoided, like I tweeted one thing and I, it had zero spoilers in it. And I was just like, and this is, don't worry, I'm not going to, because you're on the West Coast. That's where I'll disagree with you because now it's on you because I can't be patient. Like, let, let's be realistic here real quick. You talk about this whole like players following you on Instagram. Let's be real about what this is, Matt. Is it not just self-serving of these people to be like, oh my God, blah, 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 died. Oh my God, you saw this. Like, what are you doing? You're just doing, you just want people to look at me, look at my tweets. It's almost like clickbaity. Whereas if I'm just a nice person, I mean, truthfully, it is kind of clickbaity. It's, but you're not clicking on a link. You understand. That's why you laughed. But at the same time, if I think about it, I'm like, oh, you know what? Matt's on the West Coast. He doesn't get to watch this for three hours. Maybe he doesn't have the app or whatever. I'll at least wait until midnight to actually say anything besides that, that that would reveal what happened in the episode. I mean, two things. Number one, these people on the West Coast that aren't watching till actual 9 p.m. West Coast time. Have you never heard of HBO Go? Like you can watch you can watch that thing at 6 p.m. West Coast time. So again, excuses out the window to me. Watch the, if you're that invested, watch watch the freaking episode. Now, number two. Yes, of course, Jake. I want to be relevant. I want to be in the moment. Uh, I want to be tweeting out dragon memes as things are happening. And if that makes if that makes me a bad person, then so be it. And again, I think it's on those people to to go outside, read a book, do whatever you can to avoid the spoilers. That is on you. I've got one of our graphic designers who sits right behind me. He's he's you know hasn't watched the episode for three days because his wife is not here. Which oh by the way, don't get married for this reason as one of the many. Uh, he hasn't been able to watch the episode yet because his wife has been out of town, and, and he's he's like I you know I just hate myself because I'm having to avoid all these spoils. I'm like look, buddy, that's on you at this point. Like this is in three days afterwards. You work on a social media graphic design team. You're getting stuff some stuff spoiled for you, and I I, I am sorry. This is the worst advice episode ever. Yeah, so far. <laughs> tell really tell well. people about their social media lives. Tell, don't get married because then you have to wait to watch TV shows. You can see why I'm in the place I'm in in my life. All right, which is uh, you know a, a topic for another podcast. <laughs> Oh, I, it's, a, it's to reference real quick. We'll go away from it. The, the thing that I tweeted was chills, pun intended. And that was it. That's all I, that's all I tweeted. Nice. To see. So I, I care about you people. Matt says, screw you guys. It's your own problem. So let's talk wide receivers. Speaking of Hollywood, hey, look at that transition. Uh, we're, let's talk about the Ravens because the Ravens go from having nothing. The Willie Steed was their number one to now they have Marquise Brown and Miles Boykin. Where are you on, obviously, I want the success rate behind them, but also, were you somebody that I felt like Miles Boykin, look, look, there's no way to say this without sounding, like, it's just going to, how we we understand, look, this is how it's going to have to be. I felt watching Miles Boykin, now, granted, I'm also a Notre Dame fan, so I watch every single game. I'm also the most harshest Notre Dame fan. I told people Equinemus St. Brown was going to be garbage, so I have no problem telling you when I don't like Notre Dame players. But I've been on a Miles Boykin, and there's a few people in the industry who I, you know, you know them, have been on. Also, they're not. I'm not the only one. But there was because of them, there was this very gradual increase of Miles Boykin going from ah, he's a late round pick, oh, he's a mid round, oh, he's a third round, oh, he deserves to be in the second round, or watch out for this guy. And it was this steady increase that I'm sure you saw too. But where did you stand? Because you get to be able to sit there and look at him and not have that noise come into play. Yeah, I really liked Miles Boykin. He was my wide receiver three in this class behind Hollywood, the other Ravens receiver, and uh, A.J. Brown. So I, I really thought Boykin ha- had the best 
full field skill among the big X receivers in this class. And that was a big conversation coming into, into the draft was, you know, hey, are the big wide receivers back? You know, DK Metcalf, Hakeem Butler, you know, those guys actually kind of still fell. A guy like J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, you know, another big X receiver, he, he went a little higher than maybe some expected. But so, yeah, I mean, I thought Boykin, though, among all those guys was the best separator, had the best release moves off the line of scrimmage, you know, and that's really important for watching these college receivers uh, is that you've got to really be able to – get snaps from them against press coverage with guys tied up against them on the line of scrimmage. And that's really something that you saw Boykin face. And I think really excel. And I don't have to tell you as a Notre Dame fan that uh, the quarterback play there this year and, he, and last <laughs> year too, not, not so great. So I think that Boykin really, you know, that, that was the interesting pick to me for the Ravens. Obviously, you know, we can go full in depth on Hollywood Brown, but you know, the Boykin pick to me was more interesting because I think the great part about the draft is that we get to see these teams really – we get to understand what they value and what they want to be. And for – I think there's been a little bit too much groupthink, and I think it's, it still exists a lot after this draft, you know, saying, hey, uh, Mar Marquise Brown, fantasy, you know, landing spot, like it's the stone worst. And, and I, I mean, I, obviously it's not great from, from a perspective of, of other options. But, look, are we really assuming that the Ravens – want to be, you know, a 54, 55% run team when the fact they just took two receivers in the top 100 picks. I mean, that's a clear investment, even if, as you say, and I agree, the depth chart was barren. I think Baltimore sent a signal that, hey, we want to, we don't want to necessarily be as conservative, as stripped down as we were in the back half of last season when we had to kind of rush Lamar Jackson into the lineup because people forget Joe Flacco was actually kind of playing well before he then went and got hurt. And I think that's why we saw Lamar Jackson get into the lineup there. So I think that's an important piece of context to remember. Oh, absolutely. I remember when you tweeted that out and I actually responded because it's like, and huh, maybe this team thinks Lamar Jackson's a better passer than everybody wants to give him credit for. Like he can still grow. There were still signs that, you know what, that it's not like, it's not like we're throwing like a left arm Eli Manning out there. Right. Yeah, no, and I think that's what people are treating Lamar Jackson as, as if we've never – and I look, it would be disingenuous to say that he does not have a passing problem right now. Right. Like, you, you can't watch what he did as a rookie and not be a little worried. Especially – I think he's still a good middle-of-the-field passer and the numbers back that up, but he definitely struggles outside the numbers. He definitely struggles, you know, on those outbreaking routes, like outs, flats, comebacks, whatever. But you know what? I think that's why they get a guy – like a Miles Boykin, who I thought his best routes were the slant or the dig, those in-breaking routes, I think, again, that's going to fit with what your quarterback does well at this point. And Hollywood, of course, is, you know, just a creator. And I think Jackson, there was one pass that sticks in, sticks in my brain, and, I, you know, you shouldn't do this with just emphasizing one play. There was definitely an early-on throw. Um, I, I can't remember if it was against the Bengals or – you know, the Raiders, one of those first few teams that he played against where he hit the, the one, one of the very few passes he hit John Brown deep down the sideline, a really nice rainbow. I think Lamar's still got some room to, to grow. And I think Hollywood's obviously going to be a big part of that. I'm completely with you. I love the addition here. And like you said, it's clear that the team is focusing on improving that passing game this year. So I'm going to jump down real quick because I want to draw a parallel here. You talk about the quarterback play in college 
And that was, I've talked about before, the one of the guys I've been, Nikhil Harry had been going on since last year in college. And you know this, and I'm sure you've seen a lot of it on Twitter. And the biggest complaint people had about Harry was, oh, he doesn't have the separation. Uh, you look at him, how many times is he really breaking coverage? And I'm looking at him, and I don't know if you saw the same thing, but I'm watching him in college, and I'm saying, you know what? He's being thrown back into coverage. Like, how many yeah. times did you watch him stop? How many more times? Like, so my whole thing was, first of all, I think the Keel Harry is severely underrated as a receiver. And then the second part, and I came back, I think Sigmund Bloom, I think, was the one that tweeted about the fact that you put the Keel Harry and Tom Brady's not going to throw you open. And I said, I'm like, you know, we can have different opinions. I'm not saying you're wrong, Sigmund. It's just my initial response was the same that I had from the draft is, that's what I want. I want the guy who he has, hasn't been able to separate because of his quarterback and wins those balls and knows how to position himself. Because let's be honest, Matt, even with everything that you chart and like really breaking and separating in the NFL level, I mean, there's a very slim margin. It's not like these guys are often breaking off five yards of coverage behind them. Yeah. So much of it is timing uh, right. with separation. You know, you're not, that's another thing I t talking back to Marquise Brown when he and I talked and I posted some of these on Twitter. I posted some of these on Instagram as well. Just some of what he was telling me, which is like, you know, people say, oh, he's just a fast guy or whatever. And he's like, how, do, how can people say that when I don't run full speed in my routes? You know, I think that that's what we, we mistake about route running is that we think it's all about speed. We think it's all. And that's what the key to separation is. Uh, no, it, it's about timing and it's about technique. And, you know, I think that you see some good signs with Nikhil Harry. I don't think he's a great separator. I don't think that he's one of the best in this class, but we've also seen players come into the NFL with that issue and it not be exacerbated to the point that they are a failure, especially if they have plus attributes in other ways, especially if they produced at a really young age in college and were consistently productive despite not being in a good situation. I mean, the comparison to me is so easy to make to Juju Smith-Schuster a couple years ago, who... Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't high enough on because I thought he was going to struggle to separate as an outside receiver. Well, he got with a smart coaching staff, a smart offensive uh, group of play callers, and they never asked him to do that. And that was my thing with Nikhil Harry is that I thought landing spot was going to be super important because I want to see a team be able to scheme him into those big slot reps, be able to get him against zone coverage a lot. And Look, I think the New England Patriots are that team. I, obviously, they've struggled evaluating talent with some rookie wide receivers that we've seen come in and flop. But <laughs> I think I think Harry is an like from an objective standpoint, he's a good player, and I think they will find ways to get him in situations where uh, he will succeed. And I, I agree with your point about contested catches, and I think we see guys making a lot of contested catches and then we just our mind fills in the blanks this is what we do as human beings our minds fill in the blanks of the things that we cannot see and help us arrive at the, the conclusion that we do see and a lot of people will see a guy make a lot of contested catches and be like oh well he struggles to separate but as you mentioned a lot of contested situations look I just I, I just got finished charting uh, Sterling Shepard you know for reception perception I don't think anybody would say that Sterling Shepard has a separation problem but you see him have to make an awful lot of contested catches because of the quarterback that he plays with and I think you also <laughs> see that of course in the, some of these college receivers as well Nikhil Harry being one of them yeah absolutely yeah you would think so with that quarterback what I'm having a brain fart what the heck was the name of that you talked about it just made me think of it the the wide receiver that they took the Patriots that they took from Florida I can't think of his name. Chad Jackson. Thank you. Chad Jackson. Yeah. 2006, second round. And I was, I was on my way looking it up while I was asking you the question. But yes, yes, Chad Jackson. 
<laughs> Chad Jackson, Aaron Dobson. I mean, a lot of these guys that they've tried to take, you know, in the first two days of the draft have, have not really worked out. No, to be honest with you, I think it's a good thing the Patriots always have as many picks as they do because I think they have one of the worst success rates I've ever seen. Oh, and also, by the way, they've, this is something that they've said in the past that, hey, we, we know that we have a weakness evaluating wide receivers. That's why we're more apt to go and get veterans, you know, why we're apt to go and get a Brandon Lloyd, why we're at, obviously, Welker and Moss are the famous examples. And then they went and got Brandon Cooks a few years back. They went and got Chris Hogan. They slot these veterans in that, that they know – they know that they, and because this is admittedly very hard to scout receivers at the college level because the environment and conditions that they're playing in are just not over a majority of their routes are not very similar to what they're going to be doing at the NFL level. So this is a smart move by the Patriots to say, hey, if we go see Brandon Cooks at the NFL level, we know what he can do. We know what Chris Hogan can do at the NFL level. Um, but then, then, so for to me, for them to make a first-round investment in Nikhil Harry says a lot about what they think about him and the ways that they can use him uh, at the NFL level. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's talk about another one more. I have Harry at 101, but this if anybody's putting him into a conversation with somebody else, it's usually Hollywood Brown or this next wide receiver who's stepping into a position that we all know something's likely going to happen, and that likely means the wide receiver's not going to be any around anymore for the Chiefs. And that's McCole Hardman, who they took. I actually Before they made the trade for Frank Clark when I was doing my font, so I, I, I always do my mock draft. I don't care about the score on that one, Matt. I always just do like, if I'm the team and I'm sitting at this pick what am I going to do and at that point back before they had traded the pick I'm like if I'm the Chiefs you know what I'm going to jump the Ravens and go take AJ or Marquise Brown it's like I want that I need that weapon I need that guy now but they did it because they didn't have the first round pick but they went and got basically in my opinion just a slightly lesser version of him and you look at his college and in my opinion it is the limited sample it is the offense he came from but I think part of the reason that Riley Ridley didn't do as much is not just because of Ridley's you know, the flaws that he might have is, but because Harbin was there doing what he was doing. And I think this is an amazing fit. I think this is one of those situations where it's like, you know what? You couldn't find a better mix between the wide receiver and the team need. Yeah. And it, it was funny sitting there watching the draft and watching it all unfold. Like I thought McCole Hartman was kind of underrated. Um, and then you see a team go up and make a pretty aggressive trade for him. Um, I, I would have put him, look, I, I don't think there's, yeah, I, I know Andy Isabella got a lot of love throughout the offseason, but I thought Hardman was a better player, um, you know, as, as one of these deep threats uh, in this class. I, I like his game, and, I mean, obviously he's – to compare him to Tyreek Hill is, you know, completely unfair because Tyreek Hill is, you know, it's, I mean, he's the worst, obviously, but he's, he's an unbelievable route runner in addition to the speed and physicality he brings at the catch point. I don't think Hardman has that Steve Smith catch point ability like Tyreek Hill does, but I do think he has the speed. And I think he's a little underrated as a route runner, especially on, you know, breaking patterns like the corner, like the post. And I think obviously from a landing spot and team investment perspective, you don't get much better than getting to play with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. So I think Hardman is one of the clear winners from this draft. Is it, is it like you a little bit, the fact that he's close to your last name? Is that, is that just a little extra incentive there? Well, considering the player who does have my last name, Kelvin Harmon, fell to the, the sixth round, I guess I have, to, I have to pivot here. Oh, that's because just like you, he's not that good. Oh. Wow, terrific. Uh, now, you know what? I, I look, at it, look at it this way. I, I mean, again, to compare this to myself and Kelvin Harmon here, look, 
five years ago, you know, nobody knew who Matt Harmon was. You know, he's six sixth-round pick, whatever. I think I think Kelvin Harmon is going to be better than Terry McLaurin. I'll tell you that. So, you oh, know, we're, no, 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 now we have to fight. Now we're we both we're fight. both under we're both underdogs here, just fighting from uh, you know the ranks of the undrafted, the ranks of the freelance writer in his in his you know <laughs> crappy one-bedroom apartment back in Virginia. I think <laughs> me and Kelvin Harmon were pretty much the same. You know, I came from the D.C. area. He, he's <laughs> up in the D.C. area now. I, I'm I'm really invested. I'm all in now at this point. You know who you know who Harmon is? Not you. Who you know who Kelvin Harmon is to me? And I said this, and Evan Silva loved it. And I just so there, boom! Evan Silva's got us both taken care of. Uh, I said he's the Jordan Howard of wide receivers, just because for everybody that out there that doesn't get the reference, if I can find seventeen other wide receivers that do exactly why he, what he does, and that's why he fell, in my opinion. I, did you chart him? Is that why you're you're on? So that's to get to. That. I I thought he was. There, I called him the quinoa of this year's draft class, which means I don't think he's flashy. I think he's actually pretty boring. Like nobody goes and seeks out quinoa, right? But plenty of people eat it because there is some nutritional value to it. And I think that with Kelvin Harmon's game, there's nothing flashy. There's nothing, there's nothing interesting. I mean, obviously from an athletic standpoint, there's not a lot of good to say there. But I do think the fact that he has good release moves off the line of scrimmage and, you know, can be a – I think he can be a third receiver as an outside X guy. So if you're a team like Minnesota, for example, you know that you have a big slot and one of the best flankers in the league in Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, and, and you, you want to throw somebody out there who's actually maybe a little bit better than Laquan Treadwell or go, go back to the Giants of last year. You know, they have Odell, they have Sterling Shepard as the slot, and then they have you know, Cody Latimer out there sucking up air as the ex receiver, like just offering nothing. I think Kelvin Harmon could give you a better version of that, but that that's about it. Yeah. yeah so. so you just told me to get excited about a team's number three. Come on. I'm not telling <laughs> you to get excited actually, from a fantasy. Actually, I think you told me that if I pour some balsamic vinaigrette on, Matt, on Kelvin Harmon, I should get more excited. That's what you're yeah, telling me. Pretty much. <laughs> Throw some diced onions next to him, and then yeah, <laughs> awesome, good deal. Let's go back to somebody that we both like, at least, and we'll go the other way. And that's let me ask you this: Are you abbreviating Arcega Whiteside with two J's or one? Like I just go Jaw. Do you go with the two J's just because there are two J's? Oh yeah, you got to go two J's. Accuracy, kinda, accuracy is important here. No, I know, but like if we're calling him a nickname, I kind of like Jaw is just more. I just that second J. Well, in any case. JJAW, it sounds it sounds good, you know, it just it, you know rolls off the tongue. I oh guess. yeah, that really that sounded like it really rolled off your tongue there. Uh, let's talk about Arcega Whiteside here. You know, it's funny you were saying that before because my two comps, because people love comps, despite the fact that like how many times is a receiver actually identical to a, a specific other wide receiver, hundred percent. But I said I kind of see him in that Juju, that other two J's, Juju Smith Schuster, Doug Baldwin type of Allen Robinson of like that kind of the big slot, and I think that he's going to do great in any situation where the team uses him as such because I don't again this is going to get your opinion on it but if a t- I said this before the draft if a team pushes him outside and forces him to always play outside I was actually going to downgrade him a little bit that's interesting because I actually do think he's a perimeter receiver oh, um, really? yeah I think uh, I think that he I don't know that I see him as being a big slot guy because I think he, I think his best attribute is the ability to win in tight coverage obviously I think he had more contested catch According to PFF, according uh, that he had more contested catch uh, receptions in, in this year's draft than any other prospect, and I think that's his best attribute. So you don't necessarily need to force him 
to the inside to, to get those free releases. I also think he's underrated getting off the line of scrimmage. I think he's got more separation ability than given credit for. Um, do I think he's going to be – because I think Allen Robinson is a really good separator on the outside, and I think when you use him inside, you get him some more easy layup receptions. And maybe they do do a similar thing there where you're, you know, you're using JJW as like a 35% slot player and that's fine but I also think he's got the perfect model there in Alshon Jeffrey a guy who is not an ideal separator at all but he's good enough off the line of scrimmage to play x you know consistently at the NFL level and I think that our Sega Whiteside is going to be that type of player in the NFL I think he landed in a perfect spot too because he's another guy that I see not necessarily I'm, I'm not so much worried about his deployment but I was very worried about his quarterback marriage you know if he went to uh, a quarterback, you know, obviously Tyrod Taylor is not a starter, but he was Eli a guy. Who, yeah, sure. I mean, he <laughs> he never – Eli's not thrown into tight coverage on purpose. His his lollipop balls just end up everything in tight coverage because uh, it's they're always late and uh, fluttering. But Tyrod, for example, was a guy who just like clearly avoided throwing into tight windows. I think Jared Goff is another one who kind of passes up those – tight coverage plays. But Carson Wentz is not. He's the opposite. He is a guy who will have no issues rifling the ball into tight coverage. And, of course, I think that's, again, uh, Arcega Whiteside's best strength. Okay, well, I'll give you my one concern. I, well, I, I think that he lacks that real top-end deep play speed, but I mean, that's nitpicky-ish. My one concern, I'll tell you, is just watching him. I, th- I saw the stronger corners kind of frustrate him at times, and yeah. that's my concern. of what that's, that's where I got the outside concern of, hey, if you're struggling with the tougher, stronger corners in the college game, what are you going to do in the NFL game where a lot of those guys now are even faster? Yeah, no, I think, I think that's a valid concern. I, I definitely think... He timed well for his size. You know, he ran under yeah. a four or five. Um, well, that is pro, yeah, pro day. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that we're ever going to see him be a top end vertical threat, but this Eagles offense, I mean, I really don't, out of, out of 12 personnel, I really don't know how you defend this group because they have, not only do they have Zach Ertz and Dallas, they have also have Dallas Goddard. They all, then they have um, Alshon Jeffrey and maybe eventually next year we're looking at uh, Arcega Whiteside in that role. And then they have Deshaun Jackson and, and you know, Deshaun Jackson. Which nobody's talking about. You know what's talking about Deshaun Jackson. And also, by the way, like he might not be as an individual player. He might, he's obviously not what he once was, but he's still a guy that dictates coverage just simply because of his speed. You know, and, and I think that, like, just talk, talking about it that way, that's a, that's a tough that's a tough offense to defend. And then if they can go eleven personnel and they do throw our Sega Whiteside in the slot, where they use Deshaun Jackson as the speed slot, there's a lot of interesting possibilities for this Eagles offense. And that's why I loved this this draft so much, because they looked, you know, one year down the line with Andre Dillard. I think they looked one year down the line with Miles Sanders, because obviously he'll split time with. Jordan Howard, poor Jordan Howard's got to be throwing up his hands at this point, but uh, it is what it is. And then they get Arcega Whiteside, who I think is a direct replacement or fill-in for Alshon Jeffrey in a couple of years. I think this offense is really dangerous going forward. And then I think next year we could see them look at like a speed receiver to be like, hey, Deshaun Jackson in a couple of years is not going to be here. We, we, we have a replacement. Yeah, which, you know, I, I really thought they were going to be one of the ones in on Emmanuel Hall for that reason, just the specific, yeah, you're just our new Deshaun Jackson. That's what we want to do. We'll, we'll move forward with that. But let's talk about the other one that you had near the top, which I did as well. My tier one was a little bit different than yours. I had both the Browns. I had Harry. And then uh, DK Metcalf was like fringe. Well, we're going to get to him in a second. But 
So in that group, I was with you, AJ Brown. And again, to go back to what I thought my mock draft would be a lot of fun is we have a team that needs a number two. And I was like, oh, the Colts should trade up and get AJ Brown. That'd be amazing. Didn't yeah. happen. But AJ Brown still in a good situation, still with a good need here. Uh, where are you when you say? I mean, obviously he was on near the top of your board. Yeah, I mean, he was the safest wide receiver prospect to me in this class because I think he could play outside. I think he could play inside. Obviously, we saw him be a big slot for most of his career and be the most productive player on in that Ole Miss passing offense. Um, and, and but we also saw when DK Metcalf DK Metcalf got hurt this past year, we saw AJ Brown go and play outside, and I think we really saw him be a player who could get off press coverage, could release from the line. And that's just so important to me to see that versatility. And, you know, he's going into an offense now in Tennessee where I think the quarterback is out of excuses. Um, I, I think that he's <laughs> a guy who's clearly on the hot seat. Like your team goes and trades for a competent backup because they know you can't stay healthy. And, oh, by the way, last year you ran out of – I get it. Last year Tennessee – ran out of receivers you know by the end of the year they're throwing out guy undrafted guys no one's ever heard of alongside Corey Davis this year their one to four goes Corey Davis AJ Brown Adam Humphreys uh Taewon Taylor's still there hopefully he's healthier this year yeah. they get Delaney Walker back they have Johnny Smith who, who flashed here and there they have two good running backs and they they have pieces on the offensive line like there's no excuses for, for this Tennessee Titans oh, offense. No, they're they're, they're drafting Tua or Herbert next year, let's be real. <laughs> right, and, and I hope that unlocks an offense that is really interesting to me because I think they are going to – which, I mean, the landing spot for A.J. Brown from a fantasy perspective, not great because I don't think he's going to push for, you know, 90 targets this year. But it wouldn't surprise me – it would not surprise me if he ends up leading the team in receiving yards because he – you know, Adam Humphreys is a slot receiver, but he's, you know, he's not, he's not a top tier slot receiver to me. AJ Brown, I think has a chance to be a guy who plays inside and maximizes the slot, but I also think he can play flanker and Corey Davis and me to this point, it's only two years. So I'm not trying to be too hard on him, but he's been average so far. He's been an average uh, receiver. They moved him around a lot last year. So I, I'm interested to see how he gets deployed this year, but so far we've not seen, you know, fifth overall pick number one receiver type Corey Davis. And, and, I mean, A.J. Brown is just so safe and secure to me that if Davis falters again this year, it wouldn't be surprising if, you know, Mariota or Ryan Tannehill at some point finds their way to leaning on A.J. Brown because stylistically he fits with both of their games. So this is one of the downsides of doing a podcast not in person. You can't see how wide my smile is right now because I'm grinning from ear to ear, Matt. I, I love this. I was so excited about AJ Brown. And I said, I'm smiling because I didn't want to even jump in, but I said so much of the same thing you did, whereas the fact that he's their number two. If Corey Davis doesn't watch himself, despite the fact that I still thought he was the most talented wide receiver last year or two years ago, he's going to lose his job like as the number one on this team. I'm so glad. And I have a bet already with the Athletics Titans writer who who's like, you want to make a bet that Adam Humphreys is the number two for them this year? I was like, please, let's make that bet right now. I'm taking yeah, that bet right yeah. now. Yeah, I mean, Humphreys is like a fourth option guy. Um, you want your, you want two receivers better than him, and you probably want your tight end better than him. You know, I, I don't mind the contract they get, that they gave him because, again, they ran out of bodies last year. And Marcus Mariota is, he's a guy who needs layup throws. And Humphreys functions very well against zone coverage and creates open reception. So that's great. So I don't have a problem with what they paid him, but you, you don't want Humphreys to be one of the 
few most important players in your offense. And he was good for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year, not, not being that player. Mike Evans better than him. Chris Godwin's better than him. Deshaun Jackson's better than him. OJ Howard probably better than him too. So, I mean, it's not an issue with what they paid him, but I, I think they'd be in trouble if they were trying to funnel 110 targets to him. Oh, no, no question about it. All right, so let's keep going. We get a few more in here. I don't want to keep you for all day, especially because, you know, people probably already checked out after our terrific intro of life advice on this show. So yeah, right. let's, let's talk about the Seahawks and their need. Obviously, a lot of it's going to be contingent on whether Doug Baldwin ever plays again, which we got that news during the draft on the second day. But as of right now with the Seahawks, take DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf was a huge question mark. We Look, we're not telling anybody anything new, Matt, with the fact that He's a freak of nature. We also know the shuttle times. We also know the agilities and all that. So this is not anything anybody hasn't heard at this point. But when we see the Seahawks take them, when we see the Seahawks need potentially not even just with adding to Doug. Let's say Doug Baldwin's there. They're adding to Doug Baldwin's entire locket. If Doug Baldwin's there, they have an even bigger need. And that's why I see him taking Gary Jennings. That's why I see them going for another receiver. And they ended up with four receivers after the undrafted free agents were over. So they obviously are concerned about that. But when it comes down to Metcalf, you know, I, I was one of the people, and I'm kind of curious where you came down on this, because I was one of the people that was railing against them for the past year plus. It was like, I, I there's everything we've seen is the concern. And it feels like it's gone so far that now I'm defending him. Like, I'm saying, like, you know what? Okay, worst case scenario, 50-50 ball with DK Metcalf is not a 50-50 ball. It's like a 90-10 ball. Like, like worst case scenario, he catches 800 yards and seven touchdowns for this team. Like, I get all the concerns. I'm there with you. I've been saying the entire time, but I feel like it's gone so far that I've reversed course and I'm on the other side of the argument now. I completely agree with you, Jake. I mean, look, I, I thought Metcalf was the fourth. He was my wide receiver four in this class behind uh, the Browns, as I mentioned, and Miles Boykin. And for him to fall, like, I get it if you don't want to take that player in the first round. But for him to fall behind some of these guys that he went behind, you know, you could say I like McCall Hardman. I thought he was underrated, but DK Metcalf shouldn't be going after him. You know, he shouldn't be going after a guy like Andy Isabella. I mean, that's, to me, just a little ridiculous. And I, I think he ended up landing in a great spot. And um, I thought that, obviously, there is a limited skill – there's a limited skill set here, right? You know, especially from a route perspective. We haven't seen him run the full route tree, whatever. Look, this is a freak of nature. This is a guy that you should be able to scheme around. He's a guy that you should be able to – line up off the line of scrimmage. You should be able to move around. You know, you don't want to throw him out there as your ISO X receiver, but you want to be able to be multiple with him. And I think that's going to help him create separation, even on routes that he's not, you know, used to running. If he's running a post, a slant, and a go, and that's and a hitch, who, who cares if that's it? Because that's like what Des Bryant used to do. And I think that that's my player comparison for him because he's strong as hell off the line of scrimmage. He's strong as hell in contested situations and that's going to be good enough with his with his explosive ability you know that's exactly what Des Bryant was Des Bryant used to we remember Des Bryant as a just strict jump ball receiver because that's he couldn't get open against anybody his last year in Dallas and that's why nobody wanted to sign him until like week 11 or whatever and that's what we're seeing here with a player like DK Metcalf people forget what Des Bryant was he used to get open but not because he was a great route runner but because he was so explosive so I think he falls the second round and, and I'll just I'll just say this I talked to him you know the day before the draft this was not a guy that was expecting this fall you know I mean you heard him on the right. phone. everybody's everybody's heard the phone call with Pete Carroll you know like why'd you wait so long and you know crying and getting emotional this was this is a really really confident player 
um, you know, you, you could say maybe too confident. I, I don't know. I'm not going to say that, but I, I think that this is a, this is a guy who's going to be really motivated to, to, and I don't try to get into this too much, but just being able to sit there and talk to him and see like what he thought about himself versus what he ended up realizing the NFL thought about him. I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be really, really motivated to, to prove some people wrong. I, I'm, I'm excited to see him, uh, see him tear it up, man. I think he landed in a great spot in Seattle. No, oh, I, I definitely think so. There's no question about that. So it's going to be the telling uh, situation this year is like, you know, where does it come down to? All right, what matters most? But I think if you're looking for a spot that you can get the most out of, even with the concerns, that's definitely one. Let's get two more situations before I get you out of here. Going back to the Colts and talking about the need for A.J. Brown, I was a little surprised. Now, I've now one, I'm super excited for Paris Campbell being with the Colts. No, don't get me wrong. But I thought they would go more the A.J. Brown route because of how they're set up. But what this kind of leans to me is we're going to kind of two-part question this for you, Matt, is one is what are your feelings on Paris Campbell? But also, do you think this points to Paris Campbell for now at least being at best their number three, whether it's Devin Funches working out or Deion Kane coming back from his entire missed rookie season, and maybe a little bit on Deion Kane if you want to talk about that. But those two, like you see what I'm saying, is like your evaluation of Paris Campbell, and do you think because he has some similarities to T.Y. Hilton and he's not the bigger A.J. Brown type, that that means he's going to be stuck as a number three for now? Yeah, I think he will be a number three at least this year. Um, because of what you mentioned, he, he and T.Y. Hilton, really, there is kind of an overlap of skill set there. And, and that might not necessarily be a bad thing because T.Y. Hilton, they've used him as that speed slot sometimes. I think they, that you want to use Paris Campbell as that speed slot receiver. Campbell is a tough evaluation because <laughs> you he's one of the – he was the most boring receiver to watch this year because, you know, Ohio State just has him you, on these lollipop you know, throws, you know, just get him open against zone coverage from the slot, you know, throw him to him five yards down the field and have him run away from linebackers until he does eventually get tackled. I mean, that was a snooze fest of a watch, but I think you see enough of Paris Campbell, you know, being able to separate deep, even if he doesn't get the targets that, that you should be really excited about him and the athleticism is there. Um, I trust this offensive coaching staff. I really trust Frank Reich to, Use T.Y. Hilton as the flanker and, and Paris in the slot and then move those two back and forth. And then Devin Funches is out there as your X receiver. I think Funches is going to be a value, especially if people keep talking up Paris Campbell, because he is different because he does offer some versatility. Uh, or maybe not versatility, but he offers some diversity within the rest of the receiver core. Um, I, I, I liked Paris Campbell, but, you know, I liked him more than, again, more than a guy like Andy Isabella or his teammate uh, Terry McLaurin. But, um, you know, I do think that Dude, uh, he's – Stop coming from McLaurin. Stop coming from McLaurin. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I just busted you. Go ahead. No, I mean, it's just – yeah, it's uh, – I, I, he's a tough evaluation, but he landed in a great spot. And I think that often we'll, we'll see how that ends up turning out. All right. So real quick. All right. I said one more cause we we're going to go to him, but we have to stop real quick at McLaurin. I just, now, I want to mention one thing. I, I know I've been, we've been going back and forth and I'm kind of giving you a hard time. I wouldn't have liked McLaurin if he wasn't with Haskins again. I just think that Haskins skill set, one of the reasons that before the Giants traded Odell Beckham was like, I want Haskins because if you watch Haskins, it's Haskins knows how to throw people up. You talk about yeah. Nikhil Harry's problems. Haskins knows this is where the ball needs to be for this person to not slow down one bit. Like, and you put him with Odell Beckham, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram say, Oh my God, that could have been so amazing. But flip side, now he's with the Redskins. Now he's got McLaurin. You look at the speed. You look at the after-the-catch ability. You look at through the route breaks. That's why I like McLaurin. I will admit, 
Here's the downside is I think for one, he gets baited by defenders, like defenders trick him into coming into coverage. And I think that's yeah. something that he needs to learn. And I don't think his first step matches his overall speed. So also, and I was at the point of catch too, he needs to attack the ball more. So there, I, I, look, McLaurin, for everybody out there listening, he's not even in my tier two. He was down with a, a very large group of tier three wide receivers. I just think his landing spot helps him because he's with Haskins again. And I think that's fair. You know, you, you don't have him overranked or anything like that. To me, it was just like you, your first, what you mentioned in there, is really key. One of the concerns is that his first his first step quickness, his quickness off the line, does not match quickness with and speed within the rest of the route. That's a big problem at the NFL to me because I think er- earning early and quick separation really really matters, and um, that's why. I mean, I don't. I'm not trying to rag on the guy too much, especially I know. he is paired with his college quarterback, and, and this was a team that really. Re- that was my first thought when when they took Haskins. I'm like, man, I think Haskins is a Nick Foles type player that he needs to succeed inside of structure. Um, and, and if you're going to get him outside of structure, then you're going to see, you know, LA or not St. Louis Rams, Nick Foles. <laughs> and that's a problem, but I was happy that he went to a team that had a lot of strong offensive linemen. and was good up front there and, and he, he could be pass protected well, but I was worried. I'm like, who's this guy going to throw to? And he, I, he does get a nice weapon there in his former college team. Yeah, all right, fair enough. All right, let's go to the last one here, and it's kind of a situation as a whole. We have, you mentioned Andy Isabella's name a couple times here. We have Isabella. We have Christian Kirk coming back from injury. We have, hey, they didn't stop there. They also got Keyshawn Johnson. Yes, a new Keyshawn Johnson. It spells his name differently, everybody. Uh, you have that situation with all the question marks around Kyler Murray at quarterback. I mean, hell, it's not even just who, what the pecking order is going to be. We've also heard that there was going to be four wide and even five wide at time because what a surprise, Kingsbury is going to want to spread it out. But all that being said, as of today, Isabel as a whole, Kirk, with your evaluations of him from last year coming over to this year, of if you had to ballpark it, because we're going to obviously have time to see how this plays out. But do you think it's Fitzgerald, Kirk, Isabella, you know, Kirk first, if healthy Isabella, then Fitzgerald's fallen off so much that he's not. Like, what are you making of this situation, including your evaluation of Isabella? Well, I like Kirk a lot more than I liked Isabella this year. I thought Christian Kirk was a player who was ideal to be a slot receiver in the NFL, but could play a little bit outside. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, and we, we saw it. Look, we saw it last year at the NFL level that, you know, Fitzgerald still primarily was the slot receiver and Kirk played a little bit outside. So I thought I, I really like Christian Kirk. Um, he's another one that I got to talk to before last year's draft. And like that guy, you know, he, talks, walks, and acts like a professional. <laughs> like, I was someone that stood out to me, you know. Especially, I talked to these rookies this year. Nobody was as, like, polished and, like, you know, works works their tail off like a Christian Kirk. So, I really think he's going to be a good pro, and, you know, hopefully he rebounds well from injury this past year. But, yeah, to me, I mean, I still think he's the guy to be excited, most excited about in, in the future. And if his value gets depressed because of some of these receivers that they drafted this year, I think that's even better. The interesting name to me here is Hakeem Butler. Um, I I know that a lot of people liked Butler a lot more than I did. Some no, people, you're, I'm not one of them. I know you're not, and that's what I was going <laughs> to say. And other people liked him a lot less than I did. Uh, I came somewhere down in the middle, and I think he was – look, I think he's a value at where he went in the draft. Um, I'll give you that. Did you see what I called him for another comparison? I called him Fast Devin Funches. Jake, that was my comparison in my article. Form Are you two. serious? That was, well, I said he was like <laughs> – at his best, I think he can be peak Devin Funches, which was the <laughs> 2017 season, which when 
you know, people forget because of how it ended in Carolina there when they really just kind of removed him from the game plan. The Devin Funches in 2017 looked like he was having a breakout season as Kelvin Benjamin was ousted. Funches was out there gritting through injury. Uh, yeah, I think he scored eight touchdowns, cleared 800 yards. I think that's who you're hoping Hakeem Butler ends up. And if that's who he ends up in this wide receiver core, he clearly stands out. You know, he clearly stands out as a player that's not one of these smaller, fast guys. He's a guy that can win with size. He's a guy that I think, if he continues to work on his release moves, can win off the line of scrimmage. So he is a very, very interesting player to me. I I really think that he could end up being an important player in this offense. And it wouldn't surprise – I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up better than Andy Isabella. Like, I I don't want to sound like I'm too, too down in Isabella because I think he can be kind of a – Super poor man's Brandon Cooks. Um, you know, you don't want him against press coverage. You want to use him in the vertical game. I don't see him as a slot receiver. So, yeah, I, no. I, I, I really like – Phil Dorsett for him. That's fair. I think that is kind of the super poor man's uh, Brandon Cooks. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I – That's what came to mind because I basically called Phil Dorsett that. <laughs> right, yeah. So, I mean, I think that I think that comparison makes a lot of sense. And look, to Dorsett's credit – uh, he's at least turned himself into a role player at the NFL level. And I think that's probably what Andy Isabella is. I think it's probably what Hakeem Butler is too. And I think it's just gonna be a lot of fun to watch these guys spread all out over the field. Yeah, I'm definitely with you. I'm excited for it. No question. And to your point about going back to Christian Kirk, I'll let you know right now, there's a lot already in the fantasy community, just watching Twitter that are selling him off like crazy, especially in dynasty. I'm, oh. I think you're on the same page. I'm taking all the shares possible. Send them all my way. I will take Christian Kirk. Yeah, I'm trying to not pay attention to, like, fantasy Twitter. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. I don't know where people are. I mean, and I'll pay more attention, you know, as we get closer to the season where people value players, especially when, you know, we can talk about this. Yahoo's have we got a best ball game this year that's coming in the next couple of months. Uh, I will definitely probably be more on top of player values then when we start making a lot of content on that. Uh, but right now, I don't know where people are valuing players. So that that's going to be fun to watch as, you know, that's what we got to do here in May and June when things are a little bit more quiet. We got to fight with each other, you know. We got to we got to fight with our we got to fight with our, our our takes made of like utter malleable clay that you know they won't matter in in August when when things actually start to count. It's just funny you said that too because I released my uh, my initial rankings, my half point. I just did half point and that was it for 2019. Way too early rankings, of course, but people want them. People gobble them up, and then somebody was like, "Where are some of the bigger differentiators from ADP?" And I was like, "After one day, like." ADP or yeah. like you're like ADP doesn't really have anything holding right now because everybody drafting to this point was drafting before the draft. So it, it kind of goes out the window. But Matt, one more time again, uh, everybody, as I said, follow Matt Harmon underscore BYB. We got the explanation of that, but everything you coming out, including, like you said, you got that game, all your videos, all the stuff that you're doing over there. Make sure people know where to find you. Yeah, I mean, definitely it's reception perception season. Like I said, if you want to find out more about the series, you want to see some of the guys, the charts I've already tweeted out, just check out the hashtag reception perception on Twitter. Uh, over 50 players will be available in the Ultimate Draft Kit again this year. Uh, you can find the link to that again at receptionperception.com. And hey, check out check out my, my freaking podcast, man. Uh, I think Liz Loza and I do, uh, we have a lot of fun doing it. Wait, 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 why do you say that like you're assuming I've never listened? 
I'm not talking to you, Jake. I'm talking oh, to the okay. people <laughs> who I'm obviously assuming don't listen to me. Um, check out our <laughs> podcast. Liz and I have a lot of fun doing it. We just did a big crossover episode with the guys from the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast um, we, with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler. A lot of fun. So two big shows recapping the NFC and the AFC. Um, just Yahoo's, Yahoo Fantasy Football podcast, man. We're, we're having a lot of fun with it. Um, and, and, you know, it's going to be even better as, as the season starts to crank up here. Fair enough. Oh, I forgot to do one thing before we get out of here, Matt. Because you didn't want to talk about him because you got too much connection and everybody would get too excited. Travis Fulgham is going to be a future player to watch. He's going to take over for Marvin Jones in about two years. I'm just letting everybody know that. Do you agree? Just say yes. Yes. There you go. <laughs> hey, I'll stand, I'll stand up for uh, my third, second favorite ODU uh, person. <laughs> after your sister uh, you know what i forgot to ask you that real quick before we got it did you have any wide receiver that you're kind of like hey this was my favorite underrated overlook you don't have to go in depth just the name of a player that we didn't even talk about but maybe you're like i really like this guy watch out uh i don't know we'll see because he went undrafted but i really liked stanley morgan um and he went uh -oh. to the Bengals. Well, you might have to change. yeah i agree so yeah you're gonna have to change your opinion Oh, yeah. No good. Yeah, it's a curse there. Um, we've agreed way too much on this show. I'll <laughs> this tell you is that. really weird. I don't like it at all. He was in my tier three. With like, yeah, it was I, I really liked him. And I, I think he went to a spot, too, in Cincinnati where he could he could make that roster because guys like, you know, oh, what's what's that guy that they draft? Oh, Josh Malone out of Tennessee a couple years ago. Hasn't really come on when there's been opportunity. You know, A.J. Green, obviously, is started to unfortunately become an injury risk. Tyler Boyd's a nice slot receiver. I just think Tyler Boyd and, and Stanley Morgan could kind of maybe play similar roles. Um, so I think he's got a shot to make that roster. I, I would, I would watch out for that. Yeah. He was one of the ones the one of the intriguing ones, Preston Williams too, because I likened him to yeah. Callaway. If it wasn't for the off the field stuff, he probably would have been drafted and that team is desperate for talent, but I don't know. We're going to start a whole nother podcast here. So make sure you're checking out Matt's stuff. Make sure you go into over to, like I said, the athletic.com front slash all in sports, you get 30% off and you can see all these articles I keep referencing and listening to the other podcasts. So once again, thank you, Matt. We appreciate it. You hope you guys learned a lot, ask him questions on Twitter, bug him a lot and tell him about movies that he hasn't seen yet. I'll see you next week. Thank you.